This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. So, so much excitement about this team and this matchup. I mean, I, everywhere I've gone, I've been in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship also, and then I was at in Vegas for the National Football Foundation all within the last week, and so much conversation about TCU and Max and Coach Stikes and just so much conversation. That is the voice of Judy Burnus, who is both a senior associate dean at the TCU Burnett School of Medicine, as well as a board member and current chair-elect of the Fiesta Bowl. Judy will talk about both those roles and currently how she is managing to do both those roles in this month as TCU prepares to take on Michigan at the Fiesta Bowl. It is is still Fiesta Bowl season for the TCU community, and we have another special guest with Fiesta Bowl ties. We welcome one of the busiest people in all of TCU, (laughs) Judy Burnish. She is not only the Senior Associate Dean, Chief Communications and Strategy Officer for the TCU Medical School, which is thriving, and we're going to hear all about it, but she is also on the Board of Directors and Chair-Elect for the Fiesta Bowl. So try to imagine having those two job titles at the same time this month. I don't know how you do it, Judy, but thank you for taking the time to join us today. Well, it's easy because it is so much fun to get to do those, have those two actually be combined at this time of year. So it is perfect. I have no complaints at all. I will be happily busy every day if I can have the Fiesta Bowl and TCU in the same conversation. I think we all feel that way. So we'll, uh, we, we can't wait to see what the next month holds. But before we get into kind of your, your day-to-day operations with the Fiesta Bowl and the, uh, and the medical school, you joined the medical school as Senior Associate Dean and Chief Communications Office and Strategy Officer in 2016. Um, so tell us a little bit about your history prior to TCU and then why did you choose to join the TCU Med School? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, so I have... Um... It's been an awesome six years here, uh, and <clears throat> maybe I'll start going backwards, but we um, we came here um, to help build the brand new medical school here, which was just an exciting opportunity and a time to be here. Uh, Dean Flynn and I came with a few others, and it was an opportunity to really, um, what we thought about coming here to build this medical school is not just to build a medical school. We want it to build the best medical school. And that has been our mantra the whole time along. So we want it to build something that is really special, um, that like TCU is super um, student-centric. We focus on empathy and compassion and and all of those things that really fit in so well with TCU. Uh, So the reason that um, we ended up coming here is Dean Flynn and I had um, created a new medical school in Phoenix for the University of Arizona. The University of Arizona had a medical school in Tucson, um, but we had the opportunity to build a whole new separately accredited medical school right in the middle of downtown Phoenix. Um, So we we did that. We got that medical school off the ground and um, it was a few years out and this opportunity came up. So it was very exciting to get to do it and um, and to be able to come from, you know, a university where we built a new medical school to be able to take what we all the things that we had learned there, the good, the bad, the ugly and and bring, come here with that knowledge so that we could create something that was just right for this community and this university. So it's like you and Dean Flynn are building franchises. <laughs> yeah, people said, are you crazy? You're going to do it again. And so I guess we're crazy. <laughs> and so when people hear about your role as Senior Associate Dean, Chief Communication and Strategy Officer, that's a lot of very fancy words. 
Um, how would you describe your day-to-day -day role at the medical school? Yeah, well, and it is a wordy title. Sorry about that. Uh, so my my role is really to oversee all the um, internal and external communications efforts. So we're doing a lot of media and marketing and communications, building a brand for the school of medicine. Um, and then also on the strategy side, really creating the whole strategic plan and um, keeping our school of medicine focused on our strategic plan and um, working with our accreditation efforts, right? We are um, we are an accredited medical school, but there's a couple layers of accreditation when you're a new medical school. So we are just now, we have just submitted information for the very last step in accreditation. Um, and then we'll have a site visit in February. Uh, but it is, um, it's been so fun and exciting to do this. We will graduate our first class this year. So we cannot wait for that to happen. Absolutely. And we'll touch on that first graduating class here in a little bit. But a lot of people, when they hear about the medical school, kind of the brand I think that we've heard is that it's patient centric. It really focuses on patient care as much as it does the medicine. Has that been kind of the was that the strategic focus that you and Dean Flynn wanted to put on the medical school? And how does that really differentiate from other medical schools out there? Yeah, well, great question. <clears throat> and it really is the differentiator. Um, and I would say it's um, the differentiator for many reasons, but but one of the outcomes of that that we've seen is that we're getting about eight to nine thousand applicants every year for sixty spots. That that's almost double what um, what the average medical school is getting. So we know there's this is really catching on. So candidates from around the country are really attracted to when we talk about. Our, our, you know, mission is really to inspire empathetic scholars. And so that means we want students who are going to be incredibly empathetic physicians. We want them to be great communicators uh, and we want them to be compassionate. The scholar part, um, obviously, we want our physicians to be knowledgeable and know all the knowledge, but we also want them to be future focused. So we're trying to have them. Um, we're, we're putting that knowledge and we're saying, all the technology that there that's there today, we need to understand that and learn that. Um, but we want to look 20, 30 years forward. And, and that way we want to have graduate graduates who are prepared. Uh, we don't know exactly what medicine's going to look like in 20 or 30 years, but we want them to be open to all the different opportunities and um, changes and transitions. Medicine changes, uh, it used to double um, every seven uh, years. Uh, now, every 70 days, medical knowledge is doubling. So the only, we can't ask them to memorize things, right, anymore. There's no way that we could ask them to say, you need to learn all the new drugs. You need to learn, right? So what we're what we're doing is making sure that they have the tools to find all the information, to get the information, and to figure out the best care for patients. And of course, we'd probably be remiss if, uh, the six years, um, you know, that you've been there. You had this thing, uh, a very medical prominent thing around the world called COVID-19 happened. Um, talk about the role the TCU Medical Center played in that, because I know that was a big, um, there a big distribution in terms of uh, handing out shots and, and administering mm -hmm. those. So talk about, you know, in terms of how you do social distancing and, and still teach the students and, and do all the extra things that, that the medical did, did over the last few years. Yeah, well, it uh, was definitely a challenge and um, it was a challenge for everybody, right? And to figure out how to educate students a little bit harder when it's medical students, right? Um, if we can't see patients, if we can't, um, you know, be hands-on and touching patients. So it was really a lot of um, thought went into how do we still have um, 
interactions with patients? How do we make sure that our students are getting all that knowledge? How are they, um, how are we teaching them empathy and compassion when it's over Zoom, right? Some of the, the really interesting challenges. Um, so I, I think we, you know, were able to fix some of that. We, we really did a lot of things by telemedicine, which of course, uh, you know, is now becoming even bigger, uh, but in an opportunity for them to see exactly how that works. Um, and then, and then we had to get them out into the field some, right? So they they were able to go into some of the hospitals with a lot of care and caution. Um, and then when our community needed help with distributing um, vaccines, um, TCU came to us and said, hey, would you be interested in helping? We've got an opportunity uh, to work with some of our clinical partners and distribute, you know, thousands and thousands of vaccinations. So our students um, stepped right up. Uh, went right into cars, started giving vaccinations. And um, so they were able to actually work out in the community. They also have been um, doing clothing drives and school drives and uh, and being able to work in the community in some of those areas as well to be able to, to help the community. And as you uh, mentioned earlier, this May, the first students of the TCU Medical School will graduate. So how have you seen their development over the last four years and what does it mean to get finally that first class um, into the world? It is so exciting. Uh, so watching these students, they are just truly amazing. And when you think about, you know, 9,000 applicants, we end up with 60. Um, they're pretty amazing kids. Uh, and we have watched them just grow and prosper and at this moment right now, they are interviewing for their residency. So once you finish medical school, then you do a residency. So our our medical students are interviewing for residency all around the country. They're being done virtually. Uh, so we have them in offices all around here. Uh, TCU Student Affairs has been um, awesome too and helping set up some spaces in the Career Center for our students to do interviews. Uh, but that is really their next step. So uh, they, um, Right now, students are applying for about 60 residency spots. There are not enough residency spots in the country for the medical, all the medical student graduates. And we have the disadvantage of uh, having a school that doesn't have a reputation yet. We don't have any students um, who have been out in residencies yet. So in addition to um, having to uh, interview for all these, these students also have on their back the pressure of being the first um, the first TCU students who are going to be out in the field. Uh, and we're not too worried about that, but of course they are very worried. But what we've heard from all of our clinical partners here is that our students are incredibly well-prepared. Um, they are great communicators. Um, they're willing to jump in and take the lead. Uh, you know, we've heard very complimentary things about the students who've been trained here. So, so we're not, we're not as worried as they are, but we want to see, uh, we want to see them exceed and we want to see a bunch stay here in Texas. And we know that some will go outside of Texas, but they will spread the word about TCU and hopefully come back and practice here. And you touch on something that, that I wanted to ask you about in terms of being the first class. Not only they are the first class that um, has to represent TCU, but they're the first class at TCU that learns about the residency process. So how much do you think it's going to help future classes that they'll have friends that they knew that they saw around school that next year's uh, next year's class can call up the current class and say, how do I prepare for this? And then you know, it just kind of feeds on itself that, you know, the, the school gets more polished, so to speak, with with this process. Yeah, absolutely. It's like having a, a big sibs, right? And that you could go to your big sibs and ask questions and say, hey, what should I do about this? You know, how am I supposed to do that? Uh, so it really will be helpful to have them out there. We also believe that our students will um, 
you know, will create a great reputation for the school so that when in the future uh, residency programs see uh, the TCU Burnett School of Medicine, they're going to go, oh, I want to I want to interview that kid. Oh, I want I want those students in my residency program. So so it is a lot for them to build that reputation, but it will definitely get easier as we go forward. We've done um, combining the communications and the medicine side. Uh, our team has done um, four sessions with our graduating students all about communicating and interviewing and how to answer tough questions and uh, how to dress, how to have your Zoom set up. So we've done we've done four sessions with a graduating class um, going over all of that with them. And hopefully we have them prepared so they're ready to go out and kick some butt. And earlier this year, TCU announced plans to build a standalone campus for the medical school um, around downtown Fort Worth the medical district. So how is construction going for that? And what is the timeline for uh, when the uh, campus will open? Well, I just drove by it this morning and it was so exciting to see. So there's starting to be some concrete pillars there. The the floor, the concrete base has been laid uh, and it that building will be right in the middle of the hospital district. We could not have imagined a better site. TCU um, had started acquiring this land before we got here. It is the absolute perfect place to build a medical school. It is um, it is walking distance to THR, Baylor Scott & White, Cook, JPS. It is just right in the middle of everything. So it is the it is the perfect spot. Uh, the building will be a four-story building. Uh, it slated to be completed and everybody says it's on time for uh to open in june of 2024 um it will uh it will be reminiscent of what you see on campus so it will have the the white brick it will have the red tile roof it will have some of the arches uh so it will look like a tcu building right in the middle of downtown there's also going to be this fabulous um stairway tower that you'll uh that will have that will be lit up night and night with purple and you'll see tcu and you should be able to see that from the freeway when you're driving into fort worth so oh wow and so talk about the benefits that affords students to be able to walk to four hospitals right there and get that hands-on training. Yeah, in our students, um, the curriculum that we chose for this um, program uh, has students spending a lot more time with physicians um, in their clinical rotations. So this way, they um, they are right in the middle. They can walk over. They can uh, be at all these hospitals much quicker. They don't have to get in their car and find a parking spot and all that. But also, those um, our clinical partners can come to us. They uh, with our simulation center, with the mannequins that we use, with training. Our clinical partners can come to us also. Um, to teach our students, but also to do their continuing medical education. And so it'll be a very symbiotic relationship being right down there in the middle. And uh, I can't wait to that building opens. Well, uh, tell us about some of the other developments that uh, the TC alumni audience needs to know about the medical school that maybe we didn't touch on earlier that, that they need to know. Yeah, well, I want to just, uh, I would love to share with you a little bit about communication because that has been such an important part of what we do. Um, so some medical schools have finally figured out that um, it'd be nice if your physician was a great communicator. Uh, <laughs> and we feel really strongly about that. Uh, so so some schools may have one or two classes in communication. We have a full four-year program in teaching our students how to be better communicators. Um, we uh, we go through a lot of information to really have them be comfortable with patients, to know how to ask the right questions and to understand uh, the challenges. So, so one of the things that we've learned that when you go in to see a patient, when a, when a physician goes in to see a patient, 
they, and they generally interrupt them in about 20 seconds. So the patient hasn't had much time to tell their health story. The physician says, hey, you know, what'd you come in for today? And in 20 seconds, the physician is already thinking. And so they start interrupting already and don't let them finish. Um, and what we've learned through research and through study, uh, it takes about 90 seconds for a patient to be able to tell their whole story. Um, and physicians will tell you that taking the history is the most important part of taking care of patients. So if we let them have 70 more seconds, right? It's not another 20 minutes, but 70 seconds that they can tell their whole story, um, that they're going to be able to better diagnose and care for those patients. So it's some little things like that, that we really are working on our students to become great communicators, great listeners, um, and of course, great diagnosticians so that they can take care of their patients. So learning to uh, shut up and listen, that's a skill that I think a lot of people need to learn. <laughs> and uh, maybe the TCU Medical School can come teach that around the city and just in, in, other, in other areas of life besides just the medical school. Um, but as we touched on earlier, aside from playing a huge part in the development of the medical school, this is a extremely busy month for you because you are on the board of directors for the Fiesta Bowl. So tell us about how, how long you've been on the, on the board and how did that opportunity come about? Sure. Well, I've been on the board now for uh, almost 10 years. Um, and so uh, obviously I was on the board before I left to move to Fort Worth. And uh, when I came here, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to stay, but everybody said, no, we want you to stay on the board. Uh, and we actually have now three board members in Texas. Uh, and uh, But it's been a really um, amazing opportunity. Uh, I love sports. So that uh, that also helps a lot. Um, I love football and uh, and I spent a lot of time going to games with my dad growing up and um, really became a fan of, of football and, in Arizona. And so this was a really great opportunity to um, kind of put some of those interests together. Uh, the board oversees um, all the financial and strategic operations of the Fiesta Bowl. Um, and of course, we are super involved in game day uh, and all of the preparation getting up to game day. Uh, and, and what's unique about the Fiesta Bowl, um, of, of all the bowl games, we give away more money than anybody else. And, and that really has been a driving force of the Fiesta Bowl for a long time is the community support. So we give about away about $3 million a year to help support charitable organizations in Arizona. And we also um, have a Wishes for Teachers program. So we uh, we award about 1,000 teachers uh, $5,000 every year so that they can supply their classrooms with anything that they need. Teachers can apply. Any teacher can apply for those funds. And then we get those awarded. And those are um, awfully fun phone calls to get to make when you get to call a teacher and tell them that, hey, you you got it. You're going to get your, your funds to help support your class this year. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you, we've said you're, you're a, a board member, but we have failed to mention that you're also chair-elect of the board this year. Um, so when you step into the role as chair of the Fiesta Bowl, how will your role change? And how will you have even more uh, time management duties? And how are you going to be able to split <laughs> split all that? Well, it does make my stomach a little nervous, um, but <laughs> uh, the uh, the good news is it's a two-year term. So I have uh, about another year and almost a year and a half to be chair-elect. So that gives me a lot more time to, to uh, learn and, and get to know all the things that will be uh, moving forward. Uh, and and it will be an exciting time. This year, we obviously have a semifinal and um, 
I just could not have even imagined at the beginning of the year that it was going to be TCU. So uh, that has been so great. Everybody on the board, every time TCU won during the year, I got you know, 15 phone calls from board members or staff saying, all right, TC is looking good. TC is looking good. Uh, so it's been fun. Uh, as I, as I uh, transition into chair, the two years that I'll be chair, we'll have a quarterfinal and another semifinal. So it'll be another two great years um, on Fiesta Bowl. And hopefully we'll have a TCU back for some of those as well. And with the quarterfinal, with the expansion of the, the playoffs that um, we'll see right now, all the quarterfinals will also be at bowls. Um, but there's a lot of um, moving parts in everything that's going on with CFP. So we'll we'll keep watching that. But but we're excited to be a part of it all. There's a lot of changes in college football, as you know very well. And uh, and we want Fiesta Bowl to stay right up there in the front of the conversations, too. And with a lot of bowl games, um, obviously, the board is very heavily involved in selecting the teams. Um, when it comes to now what could be a quarterfinal, semifinal, um, that's more in the hands of the college football playoff committee. So how much, how much discussion do you guys get to have with the committee, uh, prior to, um, these kinds of selections? Is it just kind of like, you just tell us who's coming and, and we'll get ready for them? Well, not too much far away from that. That's pretty <laughs> close for those games. CFP really does, you know, make the determination. They put the rankings right. And then they know which balls get quarterfinals and semifinals. And we're in that new year six. So we, we are in that rotation. And uh, so we really um, just are excited to see who we're going to get. We start scouting games. So uh, uh, I got to scout a TCU game earlier this year. Um, and really that is about building relationships. So when the teams come to our game, we already know the folks and we're ready to rock and roll with everything. Uh, with um, We have another bowl game. The Fiesta Bowl also puts on the guaranteed rate bowl. Um, and TC, it was at, previously was known as the Cheez-It Bowl and TCU played in that in Phoenix. Um, yes, that, they did. I think everyone that's a TCU fan remembers the infamous Cheez-It Bowl. It was a very memorable memorable game and uh, it went on and on, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great game. And so that now is called the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. That one, we definitely have a little bit more leeway um, in who uh, comes into that game. And so there were definitely a lot of um, back of the room conversations and how things were going and which bowl was going to get this team and that team. And so that, that all gets worked out in, Oh, I don't know, maybe about 20 minutes. <laughs> so it's a lot of fast moving action. And uh, so this year we'll have two great teams too. We'll have Oklahoma state and Wisconsin in that, that game. So that will be fun. And you were in the room Sunday when it was announced that TCU is going to the Fiesta bowl. So from your perspective, what was the atmosphere like what was the the cheering, non cheering? Just what was the excitement level when it was uh, when TC was uh, announced as the number three seed? It was insane, and uh, so so much excitement about this team and this matchup. I mean, I, everywhere I've gone, I've been in Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship, also, and then I was at in Vegas for the National Football Foundation, all within the last week, and so much conversation about TCU and Max and Coach. Dykes and just so much conversation, but truly excitement about um, these two teams, right? Neither of these teams have been to the Fiesta Bowl in a number of years. Uh, so it's exciting to have them both in town. Um, and, you know, 
I bleed purple now. So uh, everybody knows that. So they know how excited I am to, to see that. And even the commissioners of the other, they're like, oh yeah, you're at TCU. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there's a, there's so much excitement. And I think this game, uh, these, this matchup is really um, popular. And I think we're going to see, I know that, you know, Fiesta Bowl is already sold out of our allocation of tickets. I know TCU is, you know, the tickets are going crazy and um, that's so exciting to see. And it's so exciting to have so many TCU fans coming to Arizona uh, to support the team, to watch the Fiesta Bowl. I can't tell you how much fun it's going to be to have so much purple in the Valley. Well, I think you made the most important announcement there is to not call you for tickets. That's been <laughs> The biggest thing we see over the last week is where do I get tickets? And we assume that TCU or the bull has these tickets and they dry up very quickly. So that's a, uh, yes, it's a very important thing to, uh, to know. Uh, but for people that do have tickets and are, are planning to make the trip to Arizona, what are some activities you, uh, you recommend they plan prior to the game or maybe if they're going to stay after the game? Well, and it, the game will be on New Year's, right? So I think there'll be some really fun things to do around Phoenix for New Year's. Um, and in Scottsdale, there's a ton of great things to do. Uh, the Phoenix Zoo is awesome. Um, they have zoo lights at night too. So they have a, a, some great activities. Um, there is always great hiking. I miss the mountains here. That's probably the only thing I'm missing here in Fort Worth is mountains. Uh, but there's great hiking in Arizona, tons of great trails. Um, if you want to take a day trip to Sedona, um, there's great um, hiking in the trails there and beautiful red rocks. And uh, there's so much great outdoor activity to do. There's lakes. Um, and then there's, you know, there's some fun things. If you want to do some Western things, there's, uh, of course, ranches and we've got uh uh, old old movie studios and things, but but we get a lot of that here in um, Texas. So you don't need to go see uh, cows and horses probably because we got that here. So, <laughs> but mountains mountains we don't have. So, all right, and we will wrap up with this. So Judy, on game day, how many frog family friends are you going to have around you? Where do you watch the game from? And as a uh, chair elect, kind of what's what's your experience on game day? Oh. I love game day. So, um, so I always get, uh, I buy 25 tickets for my family. So we have a big crowd that goes. And so I buy them early because it doesn't matter who's, who's going to be in the game. I'm going to be there with my family. So we did get them early. And so we have a big pregame party. And, um, so I get to visit some of those. I'll be with my family on the pregame party. We'll go to some of the team's pregame parties. Um, and so I'll, I will definitely be in the TCU pregame party as well. Um, during the game, I do VIP hosting. So I will host our fabulous chancellor. Um, so he has always been the person that I get to host when he comes out to Arizona. So he and I have already talked twice this, this morning even, uh, but we're excited about that. So I will be up in the suites um, hosting. I'll be hosting the TCU group and I'll be, and uh, we have sponsors and all that we're hosting. Uh, I'll be running uh, between my family up and down the stairs and uh, hopefully we'll be there on the field to give a trophy to uh, TCU at the end. Well, that would be the, uh, the cap to a perfect holiday season. So hopefully uh, all that goes well. And then we go on to LA from there, but Again, thank you for taking the time today, Judy. Again, we know you're extremely busy. We've heard all the, the things that you're involved with. So uh, we'll let you get back to planning for the Fiesta Bowl. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And uh, 
it, it it's going to be so exciting. And I have to share a little story when I, when I, uh, scout at the game at TCU, uh, when the chancellor saw me, um, we have to wear yellow jackets. Right. And, uh, I had my little frog pin on and he said, is that legal? And I said, no, but it's going to happen anyways. <laughs> oh, well, make sure you keep the, uh, the frog pin. Cause I'm sure since you scouted a home game, we won that game. Yeah. Um, so make sure you wear the, the pin on, uh, on the Fiesta Bowl day. Absolutely. And, um, can't say it more louder and prouder, but Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU Alumni are changing the world.